Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. It was good. Not bad. You know, last night we had midnight mass. We actually had it at midnight, which I thought was a great idea when we were planning all our Christmas masses. And then at like 11.45 last night, I'm like, this is not a good idea. But uh, it turned out to be absolutely beautiful, but it got me on like three or four hours of sleep, so... I don't know if you've ever seen that Saturday Night Live skit where Chris Farley, the motivational speaker, and he's like down in the basement drinking coffee for the past four or five hours. That's me right now. I'm just not living in a van down by the river. But as I was thinking about uh, this Christmas and I was praying about it, the, the question that just kept coming to my mind was simply this. Why doesn't the faith change us more? You know what I mean? The, the radical nature of our faith is meant to make saints, but why are they so few? You know, Jesus came and he said, I, might, I came that they might have life and have, have it more abundantly. And I see way more Christians that are barely surviving, who are clinging to straws sometimes. They don't have abundant life. My brother, one time, you know, my brother says a lot of things, a lot of things, <clears throat> but sometimes he says some intelligent stuff too. And... Uh, one of the things he said was, it's really kind of interesting. We were talking about being priests and receiving the Eucharist so much. And he's like, he's like, you know, I've often thought, like, why don't I just explode? I told you it's not very intelligent. Like, <laughs> but he's like, if that's the, the God of the universe, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, how come when I receive that, I don't explode? This, he made the sun, Right? Shouldn't it do more inside of me? That's the question. Why doesn't it do as much inside of us? Oh, and by the way, I forgot to tell you. So I had this uh, message I was going to, this big announcement. For those of you that were at Sunday Mass, you heard I was going to make a big announcement. If you were at Sunday Mass, good for you. If you weren't, shame on you. But it's okay. There's confession and and you can be healed. But in that Mass, I said there was a major announcement that I was going to make. My staff didn't know about nobody knows about. So I want to make that to you all. This is it. Today I announce to you a great joy that today in Bethlehem a Savior has been born for you to save you from your sins. That's, yeah, that's good news. I bet half of you, hold on, knock it off. I bet half of you were thinking, oh, that's it? And that's the problem. That's why our faith doesn't change us more than it should. If you aren't blown away by that news, if that doesn't do something to your heart, if it doesn't cause you to ex- like exude with joy, you have missed the meaning. <laughs> you missed it. And I think a lot of people miss it because we make other stuff more important than that. There is nothing more important than that. It literally changed history. It changed the world. All of us are here because of Christianity. All of us have the freedoms that we enjoy because of Christianity. We have the medical advancements because of Christianity. We have the university studies because of Christianity. And we're throwing it away. Because we've missed what's most central and we've replaced it with some of the dumbest stuff. I mean, like, 
You guys, there's no more central teaching in the entire human race than that. That God was born, became flesh to die for our sins so that we might live. But we care more about Donald Trump leading the Republican primary. We care more about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. I had a student who passed through, I'm on this group text with some of my past students, and I, they, they randomly text this stuff. She texted us, she's like, did anybody hear what happened to Simone Biles, you know, the great gymnast, Simone Biles and her boyfriend? And I'm like, no, and I don't care. I don't care about her miserable choices and her miserable life. I don't care about the miserable state of this country. I'm over it. It is clear to me at this point the only thing that will save this country, that will save our lives, that will save everything, is what saved us in the beginning. And it's, it's a baby lion in a manger. And the reason we don't change is because our hearts don't change. I had a, the, the Lord gave me a great image of this I was, when I was praying this last week. About five or six years ago, I got pulled over. Uh, in a small town. I'm not going to tell you the small town because I might get the cop in trouble for the story I'm going to tell. <clears throat> um, but I got, when, he, when he pulled me over, I thought I was outside of city limits. It's really hard to tell in some of those small towns. I was not outside of city limits. And when I saw the red lights, I was doing 65 and a 25. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bummer. I looked that up. That's uh, 12 points off your driver's license, which means you'd lose your driver's license. And it's, some, it's like $200 cash uh, in fines as well. So as I'm sitting there, you know, I'm like, oh, man, this is not good. You know, and I see the cop coming up. And if you ever, you ever walk up behind somebody's car and you look in the, the side view mirror, you, you can see the driver. This happens with me and cops all the time. And it's the greatest reaction. Because when they walk up, they're immediately just, they see me and they're just like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, the head just goes down and they feel terrible. I had one guy... He came, I got pulled over on my way to St. Mary's. I was late for class and he pulls me over and he comes up and he's just like, oh my gosh. So he walks up and he's like, father, hospital, somebody dying? And I'm like, no, nah, I was just breaking the law. And he's like, oh, come on. I mean, there's a reading, reason you were speaking. You guys are needed all over the place. Somebody, somebody needed you, right? Like, where were you going? And I was like, well, I'm late. I had to get to the high school to teach. He's like, ah, the kids needed you. All right, we'll just give you, we'll just give you a warning. You know, but this guy comes up and he's like license and registration. And I'm just like, give it to him. I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do. He just walks away, comes back and he comes up and he's like, here's the deal, father. I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want you to go to hell either, sir. He's like, but I got to do something. And I'm like, I, I totally understand. So he's like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a $10 ticket. I'm like, oh, thank you, officer. He's like, and he's like, I want you to make me a promise. I'm like, what's that? He's like, you promise me the rest of today you're going to drive the speeding limit. And I'm like, done, deal, thank you. God bless you. And I drive away. I had a two and a half hour drive after that. And I don't know if you guys know how slow 55 miles an hour is. It is painfully slow and after about a half hour of driving what was this beautiful act of mercy and really got me off the hook like I would have lost my license for a while as a Catholic priest 
That would have looked terrible. This guy gave me an act of mercy within a half hour. I was so mad at him. Why? Well, because in my heart, I'm a criminal. I want to speed. I love speeding. I'm good at it. Unless I'm in small towns. But my heart isn't changing because my heart wants something other than what is good for it. And that's what happens to every Christian. I'm convinced of this. This is why saints are just so few. Even our Protestant brothers and sisters, right? I'm saved. And they get saved. And they're like, this is amazing. I'm so free. I'm loved. I want to go love. And then within a few weeks, months, whatever, it's gone. Why? Because their heart didn't change. How many times do we go to confession and we walk out and do the same sin? Boom! Our hearts don't change. I further realized this a couple uh, weeks ago. There was a dad, he, his kid got in trouble at school. and He came up to me and he's like, yeah, I sat down and talked to my boy. And he's like, why, did you do, why are you doing the bad thing? And his little son is like, because I like being bad. Yeah, I mean, we sit back like, whoa, you know, he was like, whoa. he's like, why? Why do you want to be bad? He's like, I don't know. I just like it. And you can sit back and be like, wow, that little kid's got problems. You got problems. Because if you're honest, every one of us could say that. In certain areas of our life, there are those places where we give ourselves all types of space. Right? So that's half the problem. The other problem is, is that we don't take God seriously. This, you know, eternal damnation and hell and all this stuff. Yeah, you know, that exists for the really bad people. But I'm not that bad of a guy. I'm not that bad of a girl. Jesus would never send me to hell. You're right. Jesus won't send you to hell. You'll send yourself to hell. And you'll do it little by little. And you do it by all the choices that you make that are not for him. And it's happening everywhere right now. I had a guy I was talking to. He was all mad because, you know... Christmas is so close together, and you got to go to Mass twice in 48 hours. This is my seventh Mass, you losers, right? I'm still here on three hours of sleep. But he comes out, and he's like, one will be fine. And I'm like, sir, are you Catholic? He's like, yeah, of course I'm Catholic. That's why I go to Mass. And I'm like, do you like football? He's like, yeah, I love football. So tell you what, if I had two tickets, I had a ticket to the NFC playoff and a ticket to the Super Bowl, and I said you could have both of them. If you go, which one would you take? He said, what? I would take both of them. I'm like, oh, so you'd go twice. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's your problem. Because you love football more than you love your God. And at the end of your life, I want every one of you to hear this. At the end of your life, Jesus isn't going to sit on his throne and say, you, heaven, you, sorry, hell, you, heaven, you, hell, you, get out of here, you stink. That's not going to happen. He's going to give you what you love most. And if it's not him, it's not heaven. He will stand with his arms open like he is behind me on the cross and say, come to me. But the problem is, is most of our hearts have said our whole lives, it's about me. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. And when he says to you at the end of your life, come to me, you're going to look at him and say, it's about me. You won't want to be with him. And that is a scary thing to think about. So our hearts need to change, man. And I am convinced the only thing that can change our hearts is love. I know that sounds cliche, but it's so true. 
I teach my high school kids all types of stuff, and they get it, and they test well, and they write well. And I'm like, why won't you live it well? Because it's not in their heart. I don't know if you guys remember a couple weeks ago when I told you I bought uh, Beauty and the Beast for 20 bucks. Remember that on Amazon? I did that. Just so if you weren't here, I'm not proud of that. Um, But I saw something in that movie when I watched it a second time. (laughs) I always watch a movie the first time and something moves in my heart. Then I watch it a second time because there's something deeper there. And there is something very deep about the human condition written into the movie Beauty and the Beast. You know, the, the prince at the beginning, he's just this jerk, right? And he, 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 he has no respect for anybody. He's this filthy, stinking, rich, spoiled little brat. Everything he wants is his. He, he, he treats people with disrespect. He's, he's awful. He's a beast. And then when the lady comes, you know, and this poor little beggar, and he won't even help her, get out of my face. And he, she casts a spell. But you guys, the spell is just Disney's effect. What's it doing? It's just taking what's inside and making it look what's on the outside. He's an animal inside. He is a beast. And now he's going to live like one externally. And there is no argument that will come along that will change his mind. You know the candle thing and the clock and the cup and the teacup set and they all talk, you know? They're all people, but they're not people because they got changed too. They, They totally got roped into this terrible deal, right? With the beast. But anyway, they try to convince him and convince him and convince him that he's not a beast. He won't have any of it. In fact, he just gets more mad. And then Belle shows up. And he's even mean to her. Locks her up in the tower. But then she begins to see inside of him and see that there's something deeper than this beastly figure on the outside. And what happens to him? Well, he doesn't roar so much. Kind of cleans up his nails, combs his hair, puts on that tuxedo thing. All of a sudden, this great beast who's so mean and trapping people in the tower is dancing with this girl. And what does he do? He almost gives his life for her. Why? Because love changes the heart. Here's the problem. Human love is not enough. Because human love will run out. Human love always runs out. And so we need something deeper. And that's the great message of today, Christmas. The thing, the deeper thing is laying in the manger. And that little baby boy in the manger says something to us about who we are and what we're made for. Who we are, we are God's children. He came to die for us. Jesus is the only person who was born to die. We're born to live. He was born to die. And if you can't see that, if you can't see the love of God becoming man, see it behind me. From crib to cross, he is just trying to prove that he loves us. And when you're loved, like I said, when you're loved, everything changes. But nobody believes it. And the other thing that the baby in the manger shows us is this. When I was, my mom... She had this deep insight. I think I said a couple Christmases ago. She said this. She said, I can never figure out why when Mary had, or when, when, when Mary, you know, first had Jesus, she put him in swaddling clothes and put him in a manger. She's like, when you were born, all I wanted to do was just hold you and love you forever. Because I'm that great. <laughs> but she said, why did Mary do that? 
Mary takes Jesus and puts him in a manger. A manger is a feeding trough. He's born in Bethlehem. The word means house of bread. He later calls himself the bread of life. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. He's placed in a feeding trough. Or is it beginning to make sense? It's going to happen right here. Jesus teaches us that our lives are most fully lived when they're given away. The world would have you believe that the more you have, it's all about you, 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 you. That's the lie. The Christ child breaks into this world and says, you're loved, so go love. And ultimately, you guys, that's the meaning of Christmas. It's meant to change everything. The first Christmas changed everything, literally changed the world. When you get married, married people, did life change? Yes. When I became a priest, did life change? Yes. Why? Because I fell in love. You fell in love. The thing that's missing in the church in the day, modern day and age is nobody loves him. Because if we loved him, it would change everything. I would have changed you. It changed your family. And now I would have changed your family. It changed this church. But above all, I'm convinced if we just encounter the living Christ again in this world, in this mystery, it would change the world.